that you're probably very familiar with uh, tonight. You know, um, we've been going through a study in the book of 1 Corinthians in our church uh, uh, on Sundays, and it is such an amazing letter that Paul had uh, written to this church. And just a little snapshot that uh, next time you're reading through Corinthians, hopefully uh, maybe it'll, it'll be a help to you. you know, Paul had gone to this wicked, wicked city of Corinth. And in this city, uh, I mean, it, it, the city was uh, really founded and rooted upon its practice of immorality. And it, it worshipped two deities, female deities, that were uh, both sensual and immoral. And so any immoral sin that you could think of was practiced, practiced legally, practiced um, openly in this city. And it's into this city that Paul goes, and um, he doesn't play games. He doesn't try to deceive people. He just preaches the gospel, and people get saved. And how many of you believe the gospel still works? Amen? Amen. And the, sometimes, you know, you look around and you, you look at your environment. I know certainly um, where I live, uh, but anywhere in the United States, you turn on the television, you think, my goodness. I mean, morality is definitely, uh, uh, has changed uh, over the last several years. And it continues to appear that it's going to uh, take further steps. And uh, sometimes you wonder, how do you reach people? You know, uh, they say the new generation, the millennial generation, there's uh, only about 15% of that age group would even say that they would even consider themselves Christian. And so how do you connect? Uh, you know, we live in a time where uh, people have some wild ideas about the church. You know, um, some believe that the church is no longer relevant, you know, or some believe that, wow, those are extremists. Those people are really fanatics that uh, there's really no need and no place for uh, this thing called a, a church. Sometimes you think, how in the world can we connect and how in the world uh, can we make a difference? And, and, and we are to follow Paul's example. We just preach the truth and God honors the truth. So Paul goes in and people get saved and he starts a church and this church does great. He's there for 18 months and he moves on. Four or five years later, he gets word that this church is struggling and they had a lot of struggles. And if you've read through the, the book of 1 Corinthians, you're probably mindful of a few of those struggles. But my goodness, uh, the reality was they were allowing some of the outside cultural influences to start coming back into the church. And so Paul's whole theme in this book, the whole theme, is if you are a follower of Jesus, you will be different from mainstream culture. And you don't have to hold up a sign, hey, I'm different. But because you follow Jesus, you will be different. And so he challenges them and he talks about, listen, if you know Jesus, your thinking should be different than people that don't know Jesus. And you need to grow in your life and your body doesn't belong to you anymore. It belongs to God. And he deals with some sins. They had some horrible sins going on in the church and he deals with those sins and they were a laughing stock in the community. Nobody in the community wanted to enter into the church as they thought it was a joke. So Paul writes about those things and he says, listen, if you know Jesus, it affects the way you act and the way you think. It also affects your relationships. And he spends some time talking about if you're married and you're a follower of Christ, you're probably gonna approach your marriage a little different than unbelievers. If you're single, you're gonna approach your singlehood a little bit 
different. Uh, he, he talks about relationships with other Christians. He talks about how do we treat the unsaved world. And, and so he, 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 his whole premise is we should be different. And if we follow Jesus, those who don't know Jesus will see a difference. And that not that why we're called to continue to follow and continue to serve the Lord so that an unbelieving world can see that there is hope in Jesus Christ? And so my actions and my words and, and my relationships and the way I think about things and the way I, 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 I conduct my own life, as people see that difference, it, it compels them to at least begin to ask those questions, is Jesus real uh, do I need to, to know more? Is it more than just religion? Who is this Jesus? And it should give us opportunities to share our faith. So right in the middle of this letter is chapter 10. And Paul, in chapter 10, continues this same thought. And he says, there is also another way, another platform for the believer in which he or she can really show that he is different in his life than mainstream uh, culture and, and perspectives and viewpoints. And, and in chapter 10, here's the platform that he gives. When testing and trial comes into life, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, it avails us an opportunity by the way we respond to once again reveal the hope that comes by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we're not to run from testing. We're not to run from difficulty. And how many of you found that doesn't work anyway? <laughs> Just always seems to find me. But we are to also understand just like my actions and my relationships and the way I think about life and the way that, that, that I, I view my, my body, it belongs to the Lord. All these things are, are different because I know Jesus. So also should the, be my viewpoint of testing and trial when it comes into my life. So notice he writes here in chapter 10. We're going to read several verses, but, but notice what he writes. Uh, well, let, let's just read a few. Verse 11, it says, Now all these things happen to them for examples, but they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore then, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. How many of you have ever been guilty like me of saying, well, I would never do that? Verse 13, there had no temptation, and that word we think of you know, lustful desires, and that is a, a part of that connotation. But there's a broader sense. It, 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 it really, it, more specifically, it has to do with a time of trial or an examination. And it could be that I'm on trial to commit a sin, or it could be I'm on trial here to, to, to determine whether I'll continue to walk up forward and I'll continue to trust God and I'll continue to hold on. It's that time of trial, that time of testing, that time of a personal uh, evaluation and conduct. There hath no temptation or testing taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, 
who will not suffer or will not allow you to be tested or tempted above that you are able, but he will with that temptation also make a way to escape so that you may be able to bear it. So, wherefore, my beloved, you need to flee from idolatry. Because again, we'll get to this in a moment, but here's the reality. The Corinthian Christians, when trial and testing came, this was another area of their Christian walk in which they failed. They would doubt, they would complain, they would murmur against God, and they would run back to some of their sinful crutches some of their past habits that, 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 that made them feel better, that, that eased their pain temporarily. And we, we understand that. As humans, we, we tend to run back to things that give us immediate relief sometimes, but haven't we found that, that those things are only temporary? And that the reality is sometimes we have to walk through those difficulties in those valleys and they're painful and they're hard and, 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 and they're not always the most enjoyable but we can't lose our faith. And they had. And so an unbelieving world would look at these followers of Jesus and the first sign that there was any difficulty, they would grow weak in their faith or they would run out on their faith or they would run back to their own ways. And what kind of message did that send to the community? So Paul said, listen, you need to understand testing's gonna come and trial's gonna come, but God is faithful. And so verse 15, I speak to you as wise men, judge ye what I say. If you are spiritual and if you are listening to the Lord and being led by the Lord, then you will know what I'm saying to you is true. And Paul's whole premise is that whatever happens in life, it should be our desire to glorify God, even in the midst of testing and temptation and difficulty in our life. Because when we do that and we respond in faith in the way that he desires, we again have another opportunity to be a light in a dark world. Now, what do we know about testing? We know it's going to come to everybody. Amen? We can't run from it. Can't hide from it. Seems like when we get out of difficulty, here comes another one. So instead of us expending so much energy trying to avoid every difficulty in life, instead of us just crying out all the time to God, if you really love me, God, you'll take all these problems away. It's imperative that we understand difficulty and testing is going to come in our life. Temptation's going to come. I would dare say that, though I know many of you, you know, on a, on a somewhat personal level, I don't know all the details, but, but I know you uh, as a human being, as you know me well enough, we all have problems. And some of you are probably struggling with things tonight. That is a part of life. As a matter of fact, we're, we're told not to try to get out of the problem. In James chapter 1, verse 2 we're told by James, instead, when trial and difficulty and examination comes, we should count it all joy. Now, that's the end game. That's what we're striving for, that I can say, God, thank you for this difficulty in my life. How many of you struggle saying that to God? Thank you. I know I do. Thank you for all my problems. Now, that's the end game, and that is James's whole premise in his book is, are you growing? Here's how you can tell if you're growing. How do you handle problems? And he said, the goal is that you're able to count it all joy. Okay, that's where I need to be. I'm not there yet. 
Corinthians, definitely. They had not only not arrived there, they had turned and run back to worldly sentiments and habits rather than to continue to push forward in their walk with God. And in doing that, they not only hurt their own walk, but they were destroying their testimony for God. Trials and testings are going to come. Matter of fact, Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 4, don't think it's strange when fiery trials come. God, I don't understand why this is happening to me. We should never say that. God's in, in his defense, has warned us, valleys will come. Fires will come. But we don't have to walk alone, amen? But don't think it's strange. Oh, God, you must hate me. God, you must have forgotten about me. God, why don't you love me? We say those things, and we shouldn't. As a matter of fact, in Peter's second letter, he would write that God and only God knows how to deliver his children, the righteous, out of testing and temptation. So it's going to come. Why are there going to be problems? Why is there going to be temptation? Why is there going to be times of testing and difficulty? Well, a lot of reasons why. The world, the flesh, the devil... I mean, the world, aren't you bombarded every day with temptations and difficult situations because of an unbelieving world? You know, life is not fair. It isn't. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. And good things seemingly happen to bad people. It's a sinful world. It is a dying world. That's why there'll be a new heaven and a new earth one day with no sin and no curse and no pain and everything will be made right. But for now, we live here. And so because of that, even I'm tempted, but even that, it's just working sometimes with people and being around people and it causes stress and difficulty and, 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 and discomfort and, 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 and the world is just uh, that venue that, that, that really places all of that uh, distress and testing on us at times. And not only is the, the world, but then we, we, we're told there's the flesh, that's me, the inward. How many of you have realized that your biggest problem in life is probably you? I'm 99.9% my biggest problem. And once we realize that, then at least we can move forward with God's grace and help. But, boy, we battle the flesh every single day. Thank God that he came to save us from that. And thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But it's a battle. And that's why there are words like put on the armor of God and stand fast in in the strength of the Lord. Be strong in his might and war a good warfare and and all those action verbs because it's it's a battle. The flesh every day. We can isolate. Well, I'm just going to stay away from everybody and lock myself in a room. Listen, you can tempt yourself and fail yourself and discourage yourself all by yourself. So you got the world, the flesh, And who's putting all that together? Who's the source? The devil. So it's really a foolish thought to think I can run away from all of that. It's going to come. 
And that's why here in verse number 12, we're told, take heed. Be prepared. In verse number one of that chapter, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant. Don't don't be uh, uninformed. Don't have unrealistic expectations. Some of us, I think, view the Christian life in... In, in, in fairy tale uh, thoughts, and, and it's a battle. But meanwhile, we're here, and we're not just here to just get through the day and survive. There's actually a purpose, and it should be to press on to glorify our Lord and Savior. Because he said, not only is this what I desire for you to do, but I will help you to do that. And in so doing, in the midst of this wicked world and the battle of the flesh and the devil and all his attacks, as you and I plod forward and as we continue to strive and as we continue to to be strong in the faith, even in our difficult times, we're blessed and the world sees, wow, this following of Jesus, there's some depth to that. That's That seems to be something genuine. And I want to know more about that. We're to strive in all that we do to glorify God, even in our time of testing. Consider this. Nobody is above temptation. Jesus was tested, tempted. Abraham, Daniel, Paul. In the first few verses, which we'll read here in a minute, we find even the children of God, the Israelites, were tested repeatedly. There is no time in which testing and temptation cannot come. You leave here tonight, I'm always uh, leery, and, and, and I always try to prepare myself. But the reality is you can hear a message and be encouraged by the word of God, and you walk out this door and you get hit with your first difficulty. <clears throat> now it's time to practice what we preach. There is no time in which testing and temptation can't come. Jesus prayed and fasted for 40 days and said, in the name of of, 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 of my own name, amen. And who's there? Satan. To testing, to tempting. If he did that to Jesus, why wouldn't he do that to me? If we are not prepared, we will fall. We will. But understand, if we will learn to walk through these testings and trials relying upon God. It will allow us a wonderful opportunity to point people to the hope that comes in Jesus Christ. It will allow us to live differently. Will you and I strive to glorify God even in our testing? You say, how do I do that? Let me just give you three quick thoughts and we'll be done. Number one, if I'm gonna press on and and strive to to glorify God, even in my difficult times, I have to remember God's power in my life. Now, notice here in verse number one, he says, moreover, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to remember some things. So he says, remember how all of our fathers, our ancestors, speaking of the Israelites, they were under the cloud. They passed through the sea. These are all references to the exodus, that the, 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 the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, how God separated and, and opened the Red Sea. 
that they all passed through. Verse 2, they were all baptized or placed into this situation with Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They did all eat that same spiritual meat. Remember how God provided manna for them, this new kind of food that, that they could have every single day. And they all drank from that same spiritual drink. It was God's provision that Moses hit the rock. And one time Moses threw a tree into water and, and the bitterness was gone. And, and, and he was to speak and God provided water. We know that the source of all of that was that rock, capital R, that followed them. That rock was Christ. But, verse 5, with many of them, God was not well pleased. That even though God did all these things for them, God had issue with them. Why? For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these were for our examples to the intent we shouldn't lust after these things as they lusted. Don't be idolaters as were some of them. For as it is written, the people sat down and they ate and they drank and rose up to play. Let's not commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day 23,000. And don't let us tempt or test Christ as some of them tempted and were destroyed of serpents. And don't murmur like some of them murmured and they were destroyed of the destroyer. So even though God did all these things and showed his power in their life, they still lacked faith. They still turned away. At times, the first hint of trouble that, oh, we're so thirsty. Oh, we're going to die out here. God provides water. Days later, there's no visible water. Oh, we're going to die now. It's really going to happen. How do you forget what God did just days ago? How do you forget that God parted the Red Sea? How do you forget that God sent plague after plague after plague upon Egypt, yet the Israelites were spared? How do you forget those things? But they did and so do we. How is it in our time of difficulty that we go right into all these other modes? We run back to sin. We get into deep, dark depression. We start complaining. We decide, let's go find someone else who can help me other than God. And we do all these things. And meanwhile, we somehow conveniently forget the power that God has shown in our lives in times past. Why do we do that? But we're human beings, and that seems to be our propensity. Do you ever notice in your life that you tend to forget things you should remember, and you tend to remember things you should forget? I should remember every day that Jesus saved my soul. I should remember every day how he picked me up, how he changed my life. I should remember every day the blessings he's given to me, the family he's given to me, the things he did that there was no way I could do it. He did it for me. But yet we focus on all the wrong, all the bad, and we air quote that because things we often think are bad, they're really not bad, therefore are good. But we forget the power of God in our life. What had God done for Israel? He had directed them. He had guided them day and night. Has God directed and guided you in times past? Don't you think he'll do it again? God protected them. God provided for them, even when they complained. His presence accompanied them everywhere they went, yet they forgot. Hey, if, if I want to please God and I really want to live differently, I want people <clears throat> every day to see that, that being a follower of Jesus, it's not just a label and it's not just a religion thing. It's a genuine relationship 
then that means when my life is difficult, that needs to be one of the brightest spots, one of the greatest opportunities for people to see Jesus at work in my life. But so that I don't go the wrong direction and I don't get back in my flesh and start feeling sorry for myself, I've got to remember the power of God in my life. And I've got to remember at times what he did for me. And if he did it once, he can do it again. Amen? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and what? Forever. And so he said, remember, twice Paul said, I'm telling you this story and reminding you of this history. These things happened as examples for us. History, we don't want it to repeat itself. Learn from their mistakes. Remember the power of God in your life. Here's the second uh, uh, truth, the second key. If I'm going to strive to glorify God in my difficult times, I've got to remember God's power. Secondly, I need to review my own past. See, here's the reality, and I love how Paul contrasts this. He's, it's almost like he's an attorney. Okay, listen, Corinthians, you guys are doing a lousy job as a church. And as Christians, you, you guys are, 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 are a laughingstock in the community. And not only do people not want anything to do with you, what's happening on the inside is just not good. So in your time of difficulty, you're running all the time back to your old ways of life. And, and, and let's stop and think about this. First of all, when difficulty comes, stop and remember who God is and how great God is. And with God, all things are possible. And document and write it down and force yourself to remember all the things that God has done in your life. And that'll pick you up and remind you, listen, he can help me through this journey. He can give me wisdom about this impending medical decision. He can guide my path. He can help me in this relationship that I'm in. But then, if you're still not convinced, let's look at the other side of the equation. I think from time to time, you should go back, Paul says, and think about who you were before you knew Jesus. Now, we, we, we're real big on, we're not going to live in the past. And some people really allow their past to cripple them. And, and how many of us understand that, if anything, uh, if a person be in Christ, he's a new creature, amen? And all those things are passed away, forgiven and forgotten, but by the same token, sometimes it's good for us to remember the pit in which we were picked up and saved. And so Paul said, let's look at the other side of the Israelites. Not only did God do amazing things, but when they rejected him, here's what they did. They ran back to immorality. And you know what? 23,000 of them were killed in one day. They ran back to idolatry. They went back to, they thought, well, if God's not going to help me, I'll go worship a statue and maybe the frog god or maybe the, the sun god or maybe some other kind of deity will help me out. And God judged them for that. That didn't work out too well. And then some of them went back to where they almost became arrogant and extremely rebellious. And, and here Paul uses the word they tempted God. Same word, they tested God. It's the idea, uh, some of you men will understand this. Remember when you were a, a kid and you were playing on the playground and, it, and a boy came up to you and started talking and you guys got into it a little bit with your words? And then words went from, what are you gonna do about it? And then the words went to pushing and then you got pushed back, right? What are you gonna do about it? And then it escalated. That's the idea when it says they got to such a point, they pushed God. What are you going to do about it, God? God, I thought you were here to help us. I thought you were going to do for us what we wanted done. 
God, no, we're going to go do our thing. And what are you going to do about it? Now, how many of you have found God is very long-suffering? God is very good, but make no mistake, right? If there is not repentance, judgment will come. And they tempted and tested and pushed back on God, and that did not work out well for them. And then we find Moses, uh, we, Paul reminds them, some of them just murmured and complained all the time. Things didn't go their way. They thought the answer was, if I just complain about it enough, God will change this. Some of us have the spiritual gift of complaining. We're really good at it. But God said, let all things be done, right, without murmurings or disputings. But in everything, give what? And because of their ingratitude, they felt sorry for themselves. They got all wrapped up in what what they didn't have. It did not work out well. So Paul says, listen, testing's gonna come, but don't look at it as, oh, woe is me and how horrible is this. Understand this is just another platform where God can show himself strong in your life and a lost world can see there is someone in whom I can trust and that's this person, Jesus. And if you struggle and you will and I will, But as you're walking through these valleys, remember God is great. Remember his power in your life. Remember the things that he's done and hold on to those truths. But if you need to and you find that's not enough, then go back and look at all the times you tried to handle it yourself and all the times you blamed God and all the times you got mad at God and maybe even tried to punish God because he's letting you go through this and he's not really intervening. So you know what, God? I'm going to do this on my own and I'll find somebody else to help me and, and I'll find another way and I'll just complain about it a lot. Or a matter of fact, I might even get rebellious in my life about it and, and evaluate how well did that work out for you in your life. There are people not in church tonight here, not in church in, in our church in New York, because once upon a time they were and they hit some difficulty and instead of responding biblically, they got angry, they got frustrated, they lost faith, they went into dark depression and they rebelled against God and now they're far from God. And that was never God's desire. God never allows difficulty in life to push us away. It's always to bring us close. So Paul said, why don't you think about that? And he says it again. Use this illustration. This happened as an example so we can learn from it. Remember God's power. Remember your past to review it. And let me give this last thought. Rely on God's promises. Can I leave you with this thought tonight? When difficulty comes, and we know it will, Ultimately, we remember who God is. We remember that without him, I can't do anything. And I know what the result is of me and my own power, me, myself, and I. No, I must just rely on the promises of God. And sometimes you have to go through this process, and I have to go through this process daily and maybe many times in the course of a day. But what are these promises? Notice in verse number 13. Here's the promise that Paul leaves. It's scripture. What do we know about Jesus when he was tested? He quoted scripture. So what's the promise? You see it here today. There has no test, no point of testing, no trial of testing, no temptation that has taken you, but such as is common to man. Somebody 
who has lived has experienced what you are experiencing. Not only that, an omniscient God knows all and has seen all before. How does that help you and me? It should snap us back into reality and the result should be it will help us not to feel sorry for ourselves. Difficulty comes and many of us like to implode. Woe is me. Nobody understands. Nobody has been where I am. And quite frankly, maybe there's a little bit of legitimacy in that as far as in, in our circle of people, and that, that may be, but it is, it is foolish and it's, it's anti-biblical to think that nobody that has ever walked on this planet has not been through the situation that you're going through. And it is certainly a fool's thought to think that God is stumped in heaven because he's never seen this before. So the result is snap out of it. And understand, God has seen this, and what we'll find, and we would say this in, in secular terms today, God's got your back. He's seen this, he knows what's happening, and he's already got an answer for it. So don't feel sorry for yourself. Peter said, listen, these same afflictions are experienced and accomplished by your brethren all throughout the world. Okay, that's one promise. I'm glad you know, God. Even if I can't explain it and I feel like nobody else knows, you know. And here's the second promise in verse 13. God is faithful. Amen? He is faithful to help us bear our temptation. Hey, your family may not be faithful, your job may not be faithful, and your resources might not be dependable. And hey, let's be honest, sometimes you and I aren't faithful to ourselves, but he is faithful. And notice, he is faithful to guide us through to get the, to the point of, as he says, escape. Or he is faithful, if we'll trust him, to get us to the exit. See, here... Here, here's the plan, and, and, and I'll be done in just a moment, but, but, but I, I hope that we all understand this. God never promised this, that, hey, I promise you that I won't let any problem come in your life that you can't handle. That's not what he said. But he did make this promise, that I promise you that I'm faithful, and I promise you that there won't be one test not one trial, not one temptation or difficulty that you and I together cannot bear. Remember, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Come, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. It was never, hey, I promise you, you can get through it by yourself. Good luck to you. I hope it works out, and I'll be watching. His promise is, I'm faithful to walk with you through this difficulty, and I promise you that there won't be one difficulty that comes in your life that you, leaning on me, cannot endure. As a matter of fact, I'm the one who knows the way out. The, 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 the shepherd's psalm, Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley, right, of the shadow of death, 
I will fear no evil. Why? Because I'll make it. God promised me I can make it. No, no, no. I will fear no evil for thou art with me. It's going to be hard. It may be difficult, but I know I'll make it. Not because, woo, I'll get this super strength. It's because you're with me. It's your rod and it's your staff that will guide me. It's your mercy and your goodness that will follow me all the days of my life. And it will even follow me into eternity. God's not wanting us to have to bear it alone. That was never the program. That was never his plan. He doesn't want to ship us off by ourselves to deal with it. He wanted in his great love to walk with us. And you know what we do? We don't understand that so many times. We push him away and we get angry at the very one who has said, I set this up so that you and I could get closer than we've ever been so that I can walk with you and bear this with you. And he's the one we're pushing away. He's the only one that knows where the exit is. It would just make sense if the building caught on fire, if someone knew where the exit was, that we would follow the person who knew the way out. And he's the only way. And his promise is, I'm faithful. I see and know it all. And I've set this up intending to walk with you because I'm the one who knows the way out. And if you'll lean on me, don't push me away. Don't get angry at me. Don't, as it, as it were, punish me. But draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. And as you walk through these difficulties, Christian, church, an unbelieving, unknowing world when it comes to the person of Jesus Christ, will be able to see and recognize something that they don't see anywhere else. And they will see the difference that knowing Jesus makes in a person's life. So will you and will I commit to just strive to the best of our ability to glorify God in good times but also, and maybe even more so, in those difficult times, knowing he's powerful. I remember my own power and what that produced. No, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to hang on to his promises and let God be seen in my life and let God be glorified. If we'll do that, he will get all the glory. Amen? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, I thank you for your word, and Lord, thank you. Just, we thank you that we are not alone. We forget that, Lord, and I'm so grateful that scriptures remind us, Lord, you know our frame. You know we're dust. Lord, you show pity and compassion on us day after day. Lord, the goodness of God, it, Lord, your mercy, it rains on the just and the unjust. We're so thankful. But Lord, it must just sadden you so often when we push you away when, Lord, you have set up the opportunity for us to draw close to you, yet you have put difficulties and testings and building of character in our lives, Lord, not as punishments, but, but as an opportunity for us to have quality time and, and, and close time with you so that we can see you work in our life. 
And Lord, we just don't get it sometimes. Thank you, you still love us and you're patient with us. Lord, forgive us that we get into ourselves and our own head and thoughts sometimes. And Lord, our, our, our faith is little at times. And Lord, we run back to all these things that we think are gonna comfort us and make it better. And Lord, I just pray that you would build our faith. We know the valleys are coming. But Lord, help us not to fear because you are with us. And Lord, we wanna be a difference. We go to work tomorrow, Lord. There are people watching us. Whether they say it or not, they're watching. And Lord, uh, often it's more in the difficult times in our life that you are seen. And I just pray, Lord, people who have no hope, people who are seeking God, that they would see you, Lord, genuinely and, 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 and Lord, truthfully for who you are in our lives, we pray. Pray for my brothers and sisters tonight, those who are walking through difficulties. Encourage them, Lord, we pray. And be glorified in us, we ask in Jesus' name.